0: Hey, Mark, thanks so much for being here, man.
1: Yeah, happy to do it.
0: Let me ask you a few rapid fire questions before we do that. Can you just introduce yourself in a few sentences? What do you do and what is your passion?
1: Yeah, we'll do. Um, My name is Mark Pubbin. I um, am an engineer by trade. Um, I've been interested in science and technology my whole life. Um, After... Going through the field I realized how important policy is and how it impacts every aspect of our lives and I became involved in policy advocacy as well as um, studying public policy and writing because I realized that it because it has such a big impact on my profession as it does every other profession so I advocate for um, climate policy and energy policy as well as affordable health (laughs) care.
0: And if I had to ask you a few rapid fire questions, um, before we do that, what what kind of experience do you have in doing public policy? How many um, months or years have you been to the Georgia Assembly before? I've worked
1: um, intensely in the Georgia Assembly for about a year. I first wore, when it comes, in addition to that, I worked with the Public Service Commission, or I lobbied the Public Service Commission for Georgia for a cleaner energy plan a lot of this involves making connections with local community leaders and stakeholders the people that our elected representatives are meant to make decisions on the behalf of and the ones that they're supposed to serve it means getting them in a room making sure that they um collectively um, make their voices heard and then carrying that and then converting that their needs and what they would like to see into policy and advocating that meetings with elected leaders.
0: Nice. So with that, I think that's uh, good enough for me to ask you the next question, which is um, having worked at the Georgia Assembly, can you tell us like what rule you would like to change in the state government process?
1: One of the biggest things is regards to the involvement of money in politics. Oftentimes trying to serve the people, there's not a lot of money in that. There's a lot of money in serving special interests and making sure that you get favorable policy for businesses, but not for people. And as a result, the people, that, um, the people are, that are doing the job they are meant to do, which is to get the best policies for our state, they don't have the funding, they need to do it. They don't have the staff, they need to do it. And they often become outmatched, essentially by special interests. What I like to see is reform to get money out of politics. And in addition, provide make it more accessible for everyday people of all professions to be involved in the political process because they have a value and they deserve a voice.
0: And how would you go about making that change?
1: When it comes to money in politics, I'm sure there is a good bit of legal changes that can be made. Um, A lot of it starts with campaigns because essentially... You have elected leaders that want to make sure that they stay in power, that they keep their job. And as a result, when you have companies that have the capacity to give them a lot of money to fund their campaigns so that they stay in power, they're going to do what it takes. And that means you know, that means providing the policies that are favorable to those special interests. Campaign finance reform is going to be one. The other is making the legislative process easier to understand and more accessible to the people. Making sure people understand that anybody can go into the General Assembly building. Anybody can get meetings with their elected representatives. And you do not need a fancy law degree, or you do not need to spend a bunch of hours online researching to understand public policy, making sure it is clear and transparent. Because people, you know, they have lives, they have other things that are important to them, their families, you know, their jobs. They don't have the time, like, you know, They don't have the time to do all this research and look up all the loopholes and procedural steps. They need transparency and clarity in order to get involved. And they need to get involved because they have value and they should have a voice.
0: Hmm. So where did this um, passion ignite for you? Like, when did it start and why did you think that this was important to you?
1: It was the realization that um, that public policy and elected leaders have, you know, as I've said before, they have a large impact on every aspect of our lives, and that includes in science and technology. You know, um, engineers like me and scientists, what we're meant to do is identify problems and come up with solutions to address them and to reshape society for the better. But we can't do that if we don't have the support from our elected leaders. If If we come up with a new form of clean energy, it doesn't matter if the elected leaders don't make sure that it gets implemented. If they don't prepare the electric grid, for example, to utilize that energy, it doesn't matter if you invent a cure for cancer if nobody can afford it. We need our elected leaders to do their part, but they're not gonna do that if they don't hear from us. It's easy to ignore a group of people if you don't hear from them. So, and I think that in recent events, we've seen that trend play out. We've seen it, with regards to climate change and other environmental issues where something seems to be getting lost in translation because scientists have 50 60 years of hard evidence about um about the trend of climate change that we have been seeing in our role and not only that but you have engineers that have provided them the solutions they need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions as well as just improve public health and there's some disconnect because they're not treating it like the issue that it is, that the threat it is. That's an example. We also had the issue with COVID, and it seems that a lot of the policies that were being implemented during the pandemic weren't based on science. And that is a serious problem because this isn't just an issue of being right or wrong. The consequences of being wrong means a lot of people die. You have millions of lives in your hands. And that. And that's precisely why we need everybody at the table, because if you don't, then disaster happens.
0: Hmm. So when did you come to the realization of this fact?
1: I would say, honestly, it was later in high school when I realized how important politics was and legislative work. But I didn't get involved until the beginning of my college years. There was a period where I was Passionate and angry without without action to back it up, and I and at some point I just I realized that it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe if you don't have works to back it up, and so that's when I started to get involved. It was a lot less difficult than I thought. You know, like I said before, politics can seem very intimidating. Going to a government building and speaking can be very intimidating. But the system is, but you realize that you're not. The leaders aren't aren't better than you. Their job isn't like you. You have something to contribute. Every everybody has something to contribute, and their job is to serve you. So you should be able to go, and just starting off small um, isn't that difficult. And once you start off small, it becomes a lot easier to um, expand your expand your scope to start tackling other issues. So I started small and then ramped things up and here I am.
0: And what was your first step when you say start small?
1: My first step was actually in 2019, they were doing the, they were, they were creating a clean energy plan with the Public Service Commission. My first step was learning about what the Public Service Commission is. No, but it's it's a lesser known part of government that has a huge impact on people's lives. It determines the rates of your utility bills and what the energy plan looks like, which has a huge impact on public health and our natural resources, as well as like the electric grid. So I learned about it. And then I went to speak at one of their hearings. Anybody could sign up, which is something that surprised me. But it was not that difficult. You went in, you signed a piece of paper, and then you you had their undivided attention to speak. That's how I started.
0: And what did you learn from that experience?
1: I learned that it's not only important for them to hear your voice, but to also see your face, to see the people that they are meant to be serving. Because they might logically know in their head that they are meant to be serving the public, but politics can be a very demoralizing field. Um, You often are you often are facing conflict on a number of different fronts. Things that should be happening, thing policies that should be passed aren't getting passed, and policies that should not be passed, as in the people don't support it, they do. So it, it can be very discouraging. But seeing the people that you are fighting for provides reassurance. And they also appreciate having everyday people come and speak. This is something that I just learned talking to them after I went to the hearing. You know, they had a young person come and speak about, you know, the importance of the energy plan and how it's going to impact their future. Most of the time, they talk with special they talk with lobbyists who are getting paid to say what they want to say. To say what they are saying. It's rare that they see everyday people who are who are advocating for something not because they're getting paid, but because they believe in it. It's refreshing to them. That was one. That was the main thing I learned. Um, the other thing is, it's not as difficult to get started, and it's great when you bring along friends or coworkers or stuff like that because there are power. There is power in numbers, and it also makes sure you know that you're not alone.
0: So now that you are actually um, you are heavily into this field of you're now doing biomedical engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you see you know moving down the line? things heading in this field or like in energy policy? What do you see? What's, what is the, what is the latest trend happening? at?
1: there seems to be a lot of emerging threats that we, that we can't ignore when it, whether it's antibiotic resistance um, and, you know, essentially they're taking away the main tool that we have been using to, you know, fight infections for years and years. And if, that is a, that is a key threat. We have climate change as well as, you know, we're running out of oil and coal and natural gas. There are a lot of there are a lot of threats that are growing, you know, growing stronger every single day. And what this means is that these two fields have a unique opportunity. Well, they they not only have a large challenge that they have to face, but they also have a unique opportunity to work together and build something, build something new. Build something better, builds, you know, shape society for the better. That's something that's exciting. You know, in a field where science and technology, the whole thing is discovering new information, identifying problems, and building new devices or improving off of other inventions to tackle that. The whole idea is ingenuity. That's exciting. When you have these challenges, it's not only terrifying to know the impact of if you fail, but it's also exciting to know what you can do if you succeed. The key thing though, is you gotta have the support. You gotta have the support of the leaders in power, the people that control the funding, the people that control the regulations, the people that control education, whether whether the general public knows what you are doing and whether they are going to have your backs, those leaders, the media, everything like that, you need to have their support. But if you don't have a seat at the table, then you get ignored. If you don't have a seat on the t- at the table, then you are on the menu.
0: Mm-hmm. and what are th- what are the current hurdles you see um, to be you know is there anything which you can think on the public policy side which is currently hampering that ingenuity?
1: One thing is going to be the creation. Um, it's how they build, how they've built you know society and the structure to prop up the existing technology. We have, for example, we have cities that are built around cars. There are a lot of roads, but there's not a lot of public transportation. That is something that makes it difficult to to make progress in public transportation because you are not only fighting against, you know, let let me rephrase this. You're not only having to come up with something new, but you also, Now have the responsibility of finding a way to change the rest of society without the people that without their support without the support of leaders generally it is you have leaders that build a system and to maintain that system but that system isn't meant to support your work and it isn't prepared it isn't prepared to integrate new technology if you have renewable energy but you don't have an electric grid that is prepared to add the extra connections to bring these plants online, that's really difficult. That's, you're not able to get the energy to where it needs to go. If you have, um, you know, if right now medical records are becoming more and more electronic, if you don't have strong national security and and cybersecurity, then that becomes a huge threat because then bad actors get access to information but these medical records also have a very important role in making sure that regardless of where you go your medical history comes with you and that provides crucial information for you know if you are unconscious and the doctor needs to know what you're allergic to but then again it also is a threat that's not a threat that individual you know individual engineers can address if you don't have proper national security and cybersecurity it's another example where you really depend on leaders to support your work, to make sure that what you invented, what you developed is getting used properly. But if they don't do that, then it's really hard to shape society for the better and meet these challenges.
0: So let's switch uh, the gears a little bit. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your personality? So how would you describe yourself in one word?
1: That's a tough one, because everybody everybody's different and kind of doesn't go into you know nobody really goes into a box. Hmm. I just say hmm. creative.
0: Okay, good. that's the way I
1: describe it. I like to think about things in you know in in new ways. I I have fun with it, you know. The trial and error of you know, whether it's engineering and science, you know, you you have a theory, you have a design, you try it, you see it fail, you change, you you alter it, that type of stuff. Creating new things is something that I enjoy doing. I like looking at things from different perspectives. It's just also it's also fun. Because when you do find something new, something that works, you know, it's very, it's exciting because now there's a new opportunity.
0: Hmm. What is the one thing you would like to share, which very few people know about you?
1: Another, another heavy hitter. I'd say I don't like I don't like being told to stay in my lane. Hmm. you know, when it comes to politics or engineering, or when it comes to you know, personal life and how i I don't like being told that you can't do something that you have to follow a role. In all honesty i I like trying new things. I like providing new perspectives. But when people give you the sense that, you know, this isn't your place, you know, this isn't, you shouldn't be speaking, you shouldn't be involved in this, they're essentially telling you that you don't have anything to contribute, you know. And as I've said before, if you have a value, you have a voice. But if they tell you you shouldn't be speaking, they're telling you that you don't matter. That's not something I like. And when it comes to, and honestly, I think one of the reasons why I went into public policy and advocacy is because it is something that was challenging something that isn't expected of scientists you know or engineers it's because it was challenging you know you have to learn a whole new different set of skills but i i did it because it was difficult and it helped me grow as a person but i also did it because i knew it was important it didn't matter if folks said i shouldn't do it and it didn't matter if a part of me thought I wouldn't be able to do it. And, you know, I'm still not sure if I'm able to. We we don't know what the future holds. But I'd just in general say, if people tell you to stay in your lane, don't let that affect you. You know, it's your decision, not theirs.
0: Good, good solution. What are you thankful for? I mean,
1: I'm thankful for my family. Um, I'm thankful for my job where I am, I mean, it really is just the bread and butter because, ultimately, you can't you can't give yourself to you know you you can't give yourself to public service or volunteering or anything or helping other people if you aren't on solid footing on yourself, right? You it, it's the expression is that an, a teapot can't pour if it's empty. You know I'm I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health, and just because it's not something that is granted or it's not something that you know is everybody has
0: okay what is your favorite hobby
1: because i do often worry about like science and you know the challenges we're facing as well as politics and stuff i do like to do things that take my mind off of it you know um, kind of when you when i say de-stress something that takes my that demands my attention So that i don't have to think about it and i can relax oftentimes for me that's team sports you know um soccer volleyball football working out by yourself that doesn't that doesn't do it for me because i'm not having to interact with other people and my mind can go wandering wherever it wants to go which oftentimes is worrying about the problems we have to face Um, it's either that or just worrying about work or other things but playing volleyball playing soccer the game demands your attention and i like that because it frees up my mind and it just is a de stressor so that's probably my favorite hobby is playing team sports
0: nice and let's go a little bit into your childhood were you into soccer or into politics when you were growing up where did you grow up
1: i grew up in northern virginia um both my parents work in the medical fields um, so i definitely got a glimpse into why you know it's important um i'm not sure if they had an impact on if it had an impact on you know, my passion. I mean, I'm sure it did, but they ultimately worked directly as healthcare professionals. I wanted to do something different, not just different than them, but just personally, I liked the problem solving aspect about engineering. I did like to play sports as a kid. Um, I mean, it's just, it's something that, you know, everybody kind of gets involved with, they get signed up for it. And then that they just go from there. I But I've always known I wanted to be involved in science and technology. I didn't know that I wanted to be involved in policy. Um, the only but I did know is that I liked arguing with people. Um, I liked having those conversations. It wasn't really something that's intentional, but eventually when you hang around your parents and grandparents and stuff, especially at Thanksgiving, you have those conversations. And oftentimes, I, you know I, I regardless of how young I was, I didn't think that I had to listen and not speak. You know, I, everybody has something to contribute. Everybody has a unique perspective. And so I like to chime in and ultimately that led me to get more involved rather than just listen and believe what other people told me to try and think for myself. And when you do that, you realize that you, you, you become aware of problems that need to be fixed. You know because you don't assume that everything the way it is right now is perfect it's not there's a lot of different things that can be fixed you know that we need to address so i didn't know that i wanted to be in public policy and politics but i guess my personality just led me into it
0: and looking towards the future where do you see yourself down the line like five years ten years down the line?
1: Who knows what the future holds, you know, you, you make a plan and then God laughs at laugh at laughs at it, you know, I mean, I do, I do know I want to be involved in policy in some way, shape or form, whether it's what I do now, which is, you know, I have my, I have my job in engineering that I love. And then outside of my job, I also do am involved in policy. It could be that, or I could take a more central role in public policy, whether that's you know, um, whether that's directly working for an elected official, I don't know. What I do know is I want to be involved in public policy. You know, it is, it is scary, you know, to see that our country is rapidly changing and what in the path that our country is going to go on, that's still up in the air. And there's a lot that can happen. There's a lot of exciting things that can happen and progress that can happen. But there's also a lot that is there's a lot of terrifying things that can happen. And I I've never been the type of person that just wants to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. Um you know, I can't I can't do stuff that everybody's going to agree with. Regardless of what I do, I'm going to piss off a bunch of people. I'll do my best to try and you know be respectful, but at the end of the day all I can do is follow my convictions and just and you know, and just follow that. So I'm going to be involved in policy, whether, um, regardless of what path it takes, because I guess when when I'm older, I don't really want to regret not doing something, not being a part of something, whether it's a part of something wonderful or a part of something that was necessary to stop, you know, a terrifying outcome.
0: Mark, I would like to conclude this by saying, you really do have a lot of conviction Um, And with the willpower you have, I'm pretty sure you'll go places. Thanks so much for spending these 30 minutes with me.
1: Thank you. Yeah. um, Thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed our conversation.